Welcome to another edition of Papa's Perspective, part of the Giant Subtle Podcast, brought to you by Bob's Discount Furniture, the official furniture store of the New York Giants. So the Giants are playing at the Raiders, and it's not like there's a great history between the Giants and Raiders, but there was one game that jumped out to me, and I said, <laughs> we have to have Tiki on. We have to have Tiki Barber on. Tiki, welcome to the welcome to the show. And uh, December 31st, 2005, you had a game for the ages. You guys were battling Washington for the division title. They were playing Philadelphia the next day on January the 1st. So you need to win this game to wrap up the NFC East, the whole thing. But um, there's more to the story than the game. This yeah, was a very emotional season. Um, on October 25th, Wellington Mara passed away. And then Bob Tish passed away on November the 15th. And you were, you know, one of the big leaders of that ball club. Talk about the dynamic of what that whole experience was like. Well, Bob, it's great to be on. Good to see you again. It's been a while since in person, but I know we're from afar that this is just as good because I love talking about these memories, especially from that 2005 season. Now, you'll remember, Bob, Coach Coughlin, from the very beginning of training camp, stated that that season was the team of record for Bob uh, and and Wellington. Uh, uh, and, you know, I, I don't think a lot of guys knew what that meant or 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 thought deeply about what that meant. But you're right. I had a close relationship with Wellington. And I had a great relationship with Bob because I lived on the Upper East Side and he would always come pick me up and we'd go to events together and political or or, or social. Um, and I developed a great um, reverence for who he was and what he meant to the city, but also for the team. And um, I knew, we guess we kind of all knew that they would both maybe pass away that season. And that meant something to me. And I had some of my best games that year including the Washington game right after Wellington passed away where I went over 200 yards and took myself out of the game in the third quarter after I'd scored a touchdown. And I gave that, that TD ball to Tim McDonald, one of his grandsons, who's now in the front office with the giants and he still has it. And I remember saying, Timmy, this is all I could do to celebrate Wellington was to have the day that I had against Washington. And, uh, and I gave him that football and took myself out of the game. Um, the Oakland game was an interesting one um, because there was a lot at stake. We were still fighting for the playoffs. And Ron Stone, oh, Stoney, was on that team. <laughs> and and I, I love Stoney. We used to hang out all the time. And I remember after the game, he came up to me and said, dude, when you were running down the sideline, I wanted to come off the bench and just tackle you. I wanted to crush you. You were killing us. Um, but, you know, I always used that play. It was a 95-yard touchdown. And it's the one you're referring to. As an example of teamwork, and what it means to understand everybody and one another uh, as a as as a team. So Luke Pettigrew jumps offside. We're on the we're on the ten. Now we're on the five. And as a running back, we always think the same thing. It's like, dude, I can go the distance, right? And let me. I'm not going to match Tony Dorsett, uh, which has subsequently been matched by Derrick Henry. But I'm not going to match Tony Dorsett. But I can get 95 yards. Like you think that when you're backed up, because everybody knows what play you're going to run. It's it's going to be a power play. Uh, to the strong side, just get three yards and and give yourself some punting room. That's that's generally the mindset. But as we walked up to the line of scrimmage on that play, the uh, the Raiders knew what was coming. 
They were screaming it, power, 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 pointing to their left, which is our right, because the tight end was lined up that side, fullback was, was pressed that side. They're going, power, power. So they start cheating over, right? They start cheating just a little bit to their left. But the problem was, is the backside uh, Will linebacker was already on the line of scrimmage. If he would have been, you know, three stacked, they would have been fine. But because they had called a defense that put the backside linebacker on the line of scrimmage, he effectively was out of the play. And then when they started cheating, it created this massive hole on the backside. And so in my mind, and I'm not, I'm trying not to look at it. I'm walking up to the line of scrimmage. I see the will on the backside of the line of scrimmage. I'm like, dude, there is a massive hole over there. And I'm just, I'm, I don't want to look at it because I don't want them to get, to get wary of it because they're cheating. They're all like power, power. They're all cheating, cheating down to, towards the play side. And I'm, my eye is on Sean O'Hara. All I'm looking at is O'Hara. And I'm saying, all right, I know the guard's pulling. Um, backside guard is pulling. Um, I know that if O'Hara cuts off that D tackle, I think it was a three technique. If he cuts off that three technique, my foot's going in the ground, going backside. That's all I was looking at. Play starts. I'm heading downhill on the right path, not, not giving it away. You know, Finney's leading front side. G pulling guard comes around and O'Hara cuts that guy off. And as soon as as soon as I saw him make contact, I stick my foot in the ground and go behind them. And now I'm in space because they've all cheated over. And so I'm all, I'm behind all of them. They're running place play side. I'm backside and I'm standing in the middle of the field and the safety's coming down. I'm like, uh oh, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm 29. I'm 30 at this point. I'm like, can I make this guy miss? Because if I do, I got something special here. So I just kind of gave him this slow fake. It was, it was one of the slowest fakes I've ever done in my life. Like left, right, left. He misses. And I you know, run through an arm tackle. And all of a sudden, I'm in the open field. Uh, Palexico comes down and squashes the cornerback. And I'm like, all right, I got the sideline. But I don't have like that 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 four four speed that I had coming out of college. And, and so I'm just running. I'm like, all right, let me get what I can get. Then all of a sudden, I see Palexico come out of the side of my eye. I'm like, dude, he just made a block on the corner. The hell is he doing back here already? He had turned around and was escorting me. And then there's another safety coming on the side. Here comes Amani from the other side of the field. Uh, they cut off the other safety. And I basically had an escort down the left sideline for a 95-yard touchdown. But I use that play as an example of teamwork, right, of, of understanding that you can do your job, but when you do your job exceptionally, like Amani did, like Palexico did, like Sean O'Hara did, that big things happen. Now people will look at me and say, "Oh, 95 yard touchdown," but that wasn't on me, man. I was just, I was just running to the open field. I was running to space, um, and that's what I, you know, that's what I love most about those last couple of years with the Giants, in particular that 05 season, because we just, we we knew each other so well as an offense and as an offensive line and as a running game. Um, I mean, I ran for three, 200 yards three times that season. That wasn't by accident. Plexico had a big game. He had a, a long touchdown catch. Um, but, you know, with the game still hanging in the balance, because the final score was 30 to 21, yeah, that um, was the first. That was our first score. Right, that right. was that was early in the game. With the game hanging in the balance, right? I think it right at the two minute mark, you guys had a third and eight, and they fed you the rock, and you got nine yards, and then that basically sealed the deal. But I guess that kind of speaks to your overall point of team, right? Yes. I mean, they trusted the run game with the game on the line, and you need eleven guys to execute it. Yeah, we did, and we were so confident. We were so assured 
of our run game that that season, really those last couple of seasons that I was there, we it was it was continuity. There was familiarity. They could we could we could mess up and still get it right. <laughs> and uh, because of, of how well we knew each other. And I, and I think that was something that I, it's, it's gotten lost in today's NFL. Right. This this idea of of a of a run game being able to dominate. Um, not because you know you have a, a big a big player who can take all the you know the poundings, but because you understand you understand defenses and you understand each other. And you know you're right in that in that closing moments, we knew that we didn't need to throw the ball. We knew that we could get whatever we needed just by Eli turning around and handing it off. And uh, and we got a much a very important win on on near the end of the season. It was awesome. Yeah. So you guys clinched the division. <clears throat> excuse me, 11 and five. Now for those, obviously the giants are going to be playing the Raiders this week in a spanking new stadium in Las Vegas. <laughs> uh, the Raiders used to play in a place called Oakland, the Oakland Alameda yep. Coliseum, which was as bad a stadium as you could possibly get. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> the A's still play there. Um, and I remember after the game, having to hustle down to do the interview with the coach and all that other stuff. But you know, there's crates in the hallway. The hallway's narrow. You're it's going so through tiny. a dugout. It's like it's 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 epically bad. Yeah. Talk. Uh, let's talk a little bit about or reminisce with us, please. Um, Coughlin's speech afterwards, because I'm standing outside the locker room and everything is so cramped. It's not like they could close the doors. Yeah. So that we couldn't hear, but the emotion with the Mara family, the Tish family and Coughlin's messaging to you guys, as you clinched the division and the way you did it in that environment was something I'll never forget. Yeah. Me, me too, Bob. It's hard not to get emotional about it because very rarely are things storybook like that. And, you know, unfortunately for us, that season ended very poorly in the, in the postseason, Carolina came to our house uh, and beat us and the what we thought was a storybook ended in a, it was just it was just an ugly finish but in that moment when we clinched the division we know we were going to the playoffs and uh the legacy of of Wellington and Bob Tish kind of was was forefront and you know Tom had a way of speaking very matter-of-factly but if you were listening to what he was saying, you could feel his emotion. Like he's never one of those, he was never going to cry, right? He never was going to get overwhelmed by the moment. It's just, it's just, it, it wasn't in his demeanor. His facade was solid and it was always going to be that way. But you could, you could hear it if you were listening. Um, the importance at that moment, winning the division in Oakland had for him um, and how he was transferring that to the Mara family, to the Tish family. Um, I took it as this uh, as one of the the greatest moments in in our giant history because of what it meant to the families. Um, you know, forget what happened downstream, but in that moment, we had accomplished something that we had set out to do um, at the beginning of the season. As I mentioned, Tom Coughlin said, "We are the team of record for Wellington Mara and Bob Tish," and we fulfilled that by winning the division. So. Um, it's, it's my most memorable season. Those are some of my most memorable games and, um, it'll always be special. Vicky, um, that's pretty awesome stuff. I, I want to ask you one football question in wrapping up because, um, about you. And I know that, um, you know, sometimes it could be a little bit, uh, awkward talking about yourself. 
<laughs> but when you take a look at running backs, great running backs, and you look at the last five years of their career as they played into their 30s, um, arguably no one had a better five years at the end of their career at a position that normally it's over Yeah. by the time we're talking about it. What was the motivation for you and the inspiration for you to be able to be as good as you were in those last five years, which are still epic numbers? Yeah. You can compare them to anybody's numbers, Hall of Famers, anybody. No one's had five years like you did at the end of the career for a running back. Well, I, th I think it's two things, Bob. The first is that early on in my career, those first f four or five years, I didn't do a whole lot. And I was a kick returner. Uh, I was a third down specialist. I know I started as a rookie, but then I quick I got hurt. I tore my PCL, and and then I was constantly trying to be replaced. I believe Ernie, of course, he was looking for the whether the, whether it was Sean Bennett or Joe Montgomery. Or we brought in the late Gary Brown. Um, they were always trying to replace me, and then we drafted Ron Dane in 2000. So those first three or four years, I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't do much. I don't think I had a thousand yards collectively, much less in a season until 2000. And so there's, I've always believed that it's a function of carries, and and I, by that I mean a function of hits, like how much pounding your body can take, and that's proportional to your size or your musculature, your joint structure, et cetera. Um, I didn't have wear and tear early on in my career. And so when I finally figured it out, meaning football wise, X's and O's, and it married with me getting in great shape. I started working out with Joe Carini, who was a strength and conditioning coach, uh, world strongest man type lifter. I got really powerful up to about 212 pounds of, of muscle and I was durable and I, I never miss games. And even if I did have a broken bone, I just let's tape it up and let's go. And so there was a mentality that came with the toughness that I had built on my body. And so that it, that 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 intersection of understanding the game and physical maturity hit at the right time for me. And and I was able to excel as the as my years went on, mainly because I didn't have a lot of wear and tear. But I think the other thing was it was the right coaching staff for me. Now, a lot of people, you know, hated Tom Coughlin's ways because he was so particular. Like be there five minutes early. It's, it's meetings at 730. But if you're not there at 725, you're late. But it was those details and understanding the little things, including with my uh, my fumbling issue that I was able to correct with Gerald Ingram. It was those like little details that made the biggest difference in my career because I could see it like I could I could I could get up to the line of scrimmage and I could see what was going to happen or was supposed to happen so that I was prepared for it. Um, so I think the details uh, combined with the physicality of my my physical development, as well as the lack of wear and tear allowed me to excel um, all the way up until the end. I mean, it was I, I, I tell people this story when I knew I was going to retire in 2006. We played the Eagles. Um, we were down in Philly. And I, Jeremiah Trotter just beat the crap out of me. And I, my, I couldn't walk for like three days, uh, at least not comfortably. And I remember telling Jim Finn, he's like, Finny, I'm done. And he's looking at me like, what are you talking about? We got a, we got like 12 games to go. What are you talking about? And I said, Finny, I'm going to have a great season, but I can't do this anymore. Um, and I did. And it got a little controversial, you know, just because my retirement leaked. But um, I, 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 I was ready for to go on to the next thing, but I also realized that I had a responsibility, a duty uh, to be great at what I, what my task was. And I had always told Coach Coughlin, you know what you're going to get on from me on Sunday. 
It doesn't, it doesn't matter what the week looks like. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. You know, you can count on me on, on Sundays. And my teammates knew that. And I took a lot of pride in that. Well, 2005 was an epic season. First team, all pro pro bowl, um, December 31st, 2005, beating the Raiders in Oakland. And obviously the team of record with the passing of both Mr. Mara and Mr. Tish within the span of a month. And Tiki, you were such a key component in all of that with leadership and obviously play on the field. And I want to thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for taking us down memory lane to, I know one of the most important games or meaningful and memorable games in your illustrious career. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate you having me. Let's that's go. Tiki. Yeah. That's Tiki Barber joining us on this edition of the Papa's perspective, part of the Giants huddle podcast brought to you by Bob's discount furniture the official furniture store of the New York Giants.